Let's go to God in prayer before we open up our time together. Father, we thank you for today, the first day of the week where we come and we gather together amongst your people, surrounded by people who um, have made it a priority to live in the same way, in the same fashion. We do our best each day to live according to the way that you've called us to live, to, to listen to your spirit and the way you lead us. To put aside the things of this world and to live for your will and for your cause. It's not always easy, but it is the way we've been asked to live as disciples of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And the path at times can seem so murky and uncertain. But for your guidance and your providence, there aren't enough words to describe how grateful we are. We pray for these next few moments as we open up your word. We pray that we would be still, that our spirits would be attentive, that our minds would be open and our hearts would be soft. That we would be willing and able to receive the urging that you would give us through your word. And as we leave from this place, we will remain open and that we will remain willing to be shaped, to be transformed and to be led. By your spirit. We thank you for Jesus. For his sacrifice. And the bond of unity we have in his blood. And we ask these things in his name. Amen. So we've been uh, looking here. Through several different. Aspects of. um, Christianity. Looking through different sections of Scripture, talking about personal direction. Um, in, in the New Testament, early on in those days, the early church, Paul talked about the, the church, and he described it as the way. Um, and what we've been looking at for the last three weeks, and we'll finish up today, is, is, is as Christians, as people of the way, how do we discover personal direction? Um, we can see the way God calls the church to do many things, Um, And in our lives as a whole, we understand what it means to have direction, to have guidance, to have some kind of aim, whether it's professional or in our hobbies or in our other activities. We have a direction. We have a path. We have an understanding about what the future looks like. The same is true for who we are as Christians and spiritually, that we can have that same kind of personal direction, but it can be a little more difficult to discover spiritual direction. Because it so frequently differs from what we understand in our secular culture. And today we're going to be looking at Proverbs chapter 3. Um, we'll fall somewhere between verses 1 through 18 and look throughout some of the truths that are given to us in these first 18 verses of chapter 3. And he begins, My son, don't forget my teaching but let your heart keep my commands. And so he sets out in this passage of Scripture from the very beginning an an understanding of obedience. And you know, I don't know about you, but obedience is not something that really just inspires me to get moving when someone begins talking about obedience. In fact, um, as a wedding officiant, 
that is the one section of the wedding vows that is changed almost without fail every time to love and obey. We'll say love and honor, to love and respect, but <laughs> to love and obey? I don't think so. And maybe that's because in our culture and our understanding, obedience has come to have a different connotation to it. I remember when Dustin got his, got our dog, Miley. Um, we watched a lot of Hannah Montana in our house on the Disney Channel. And this was before Miley Cyrus went really kind of on the, on the wacko swing. And so we have a dog named Miley because we were Hannah Montana fans at the time. And the first thing we did with this little dog that we rescued from uh, the animal shelter was we took that dog to obedience school. And let me tell you, didn't take. <laughs> she minds really well until she doesn't want to. And then she does whatever she wants to do. And I can talk to her like she's a human. I can talk to her like she's one of my children. I can talk to her like she understands every word that I say. And she still gives me that same dumb blank look. Like, nope, I'm staying right here on the couch. And I'm just going to pretend I don't understand you. And sometimes as humans, we have that same kind of reaction to obedience. I will obey as long as I see the immediate benefit for myself. But as soon as the immediate benefit for myself and what you are asking me to do conflict, I choose me. I don't like to obey. I don't even like the concept of obedience because there's this understanding, at least in our minds, of authority that somehow if you're commanding me to do something and I have to obey, then you're exhorting some form of authority over me. And we use it that way at times. I use it that way in my house. We'll be in the house and I'll say to one of the kids, hey, would you like to help me unload the dishes? And the answer is always, hmm, no. And then they quickly begin to scurry off to the room and I say, okay, fine. Now you get to unload the dishes by yourself. Like, but you asked. And I, said, I know because I gave you the opportunity to make the right choice and you did not make the right choice. And so now I am exercising my authority over you as your father saying, do the dishes. Because that's the way we have understood and we use obedience. And because that is the case, when we hear about things about obey my commands, it gives us this uh, bristly reaction that we just don't like. It's instinctive and it kind of hits us at our core. But here is what we are hearing from the Spirit of God in Proverbs, that the key to a life full of God's best is obedience to His Word. And it's not the same kind of, I've got you under my thumb and I'm flexing my authority over you and I'm bigger and I'm better and, and, I, and I've got more power and so you're going to do what I command you to do. It's a pathway to wholeness. It's a pathway to completeness. And it's a pathway to becoming the kind of Christian, the kind of man, the kind of woman, the kind of father, the kind of husband, the kind of friend, uh, the kind of person 
God has called us to be. And He said, this path that you will choose, if you will choose obedience, you will begin living a life to the fullest possible extent. Because we will be living in the best that God has to offer. In verse 2, it says, Keep my commands, for they will bring you many days of full life and well-being. Never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. Tie them around your neck. Write them on your tablet of your heart. And then you will find favor and high regard in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. Think about Him in all of your ways and He will guide you on the right paths. Don't consider yourself to be wise. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. This will bring healing for your body and strengthening for your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first produce of your entire harvest and then your barns will be completely filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. Do not despise the Lord's instruction, my son, and do not loathe His discipline. How I loathe discipline most times. He says don't loathe discipline because why? Because the Lord disciplines the one that He loves just as a father does. The son he delights in. Happy is a man who finds wisdom and who acquires understanding, for she is more profitable than silver, and her revenue is better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire compares with her. That is the wisdom of God. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant, and all her paths are peaceful. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her. And to those who hold on to her, they are happy. This is not going to be a health, wealth, and prosperity gospel kind of sermon. And there are times, and as we're going through our daily Bible reading, we get into this place in Leviticus where the promise is frequently to the Israelite people, if you keep God, God's commands, you will prosper in the land in which you were given. If you do what God has said, if you do the right thing, you will be rich and you will be wealthy and you will be healthy. And there are times where I read that and I'm a little jealous. There's times where I read these kinds of words from Proverbs and I say, man, wouldn't it be great? If just trusting in God meant my barn was full. My life was great and the pathway was just so nice and easy. That's really not what the proverb writer is saying. Even though it is the words he's saying, there's a deeper truth that runs through it. He said, God fulfills those who live in His way. That when you put God and His ways first, the other aspects of your life fall into place. But here is where the rub comes, at least for me. It is that my vision of what in place looks like is not ever the same as God's vision of what in place looks like. I mean no offense to anyone who is from here or has lived here or who loves this place, but southeast Louisiana was never... Never one of the places where I said, yes, God, send me there and I will be home there. In fact, the deal I made with God was somewhere in the Dallas area. Perfect. 
It's Texas. It's where I am from. It is halfway between my wife's family and my family, right in the heart of God's country. Because you know what happened after God rested on the seventh day, right? God blessed Texas on day eight. It wasn't recorded in Genesis, but I know it happened. I've lived there. You ask any Texan what happened, and they'll tell you. That's the deal I made with God when I left the job that I was in and the life that I had led. I said, I'm going to sacrifice these things for you, God, and in return, here's what's going to happen. And God chuckled, as he frequently does at our plans. And what ends up happening is when we just surrender to that, we find ourselves in places we never dreamed we would be doing things we never dreamed we would do, meeting people we never dreamed we would meet, and feeling at home in places we would never dream would feel like home. He says, if you will trust me, the rest of your life will fall into place. Verses 5 and 6 of this passage are the ones that usually make it on uh, cute little memes on Facebook or on coffee cups or on aprons. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, think about him and he will guide you on the right paths. And it sounds so good, but what we forget is that these straight paths, these right ways hinge on trust in God. He begins this section here in chapter 3 with talking about obedience to the commands. And even in this passage, he says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And I grow just so very confident in my own understanding. He says, Rely on Him in all of your ways. Acknowledge God seeking His instruction and surrendering to Him through obedience. We have a heart that is set on obeying God. Even when we make mistakes, God's direction is present. Even even when we fall short, even when we fail, if our heart is set on relying on God, if our heart is set on doing what He has asked me to do, that even along the way when I hit the bumps in the road and I fall off track, He continues to direct my way and to keep me on the right path. And the thing really, though, is this, because even though we read these things and it sounds nice and we talk about having our barns full and health and wealth and you'll never want for anything if you just rely on God, that sounds neat. But what we know in our mind and in our own experience is that simply because we are trusting in God and we are guided by God, that doesn't mean that our lives are pain-free or suffering-free. In fact, if my experience rings true, walking in the path that God has laid often leads to a bit of pain and suffering because growth is not comfortable. It hurts. It's difficult. It's challenging. It's convicting at times. But when we walk in, in the best that God has to offer. And when we walk in God's best, 
we are promised a, a life of purpose. A life with meaning, a life with something that gets us through every season of life. When we find ourselves walking in obedience to God and living in the best that He has to offer, it doesn't matter if life is easy or if life is difficult, if it's sunny or rainy. It doesn't matter what's going on because you know what we find if we're walking in the best that God has to offer, if we are living the life that He has called us to live, we are not swayed by the things that this world will put at us. We are anchored in the promises of God. And that even though I may be enduring trial and hardship in this place and in this time. What I know is that God has promised something bigger, something better, something more lasting than anything I can even fathom this side of heaven. And the temptation when things don't fall in line with Proverbs chapter 3 It's to harden my heart and heart and shake my fist at God and say, I trusted you. I put my faith in you and you're leading me through this. This is not fair. It's not right. And how we want these literal words to be true, but what God says is that I have promised you something that is so much greater than wealth in this life. I've promised you so much, something that is so much greater than prosperity in this life. I'm going to take care of you in this life, but you're going to live like a king in the next because you are a prince of my throne, of my kingdom. That, that is what he has offered. That is what he has laid out for us. And, and when we get in this mindset that we maybe hope that there is some physical exchange between living right and our wealth here. That was the case for a long time with the people of God. That was a promise that He made with them. If you trust in Me, I will bless you richly. And as long as they trusted in God, the, the empire of Israel was prosperous. And they won battles. And they accumulated wealth. And they built a big, beautiful, magnificent temple. And they influenced the world. But is that really a life you want to go back to? A life without a Savior? A life without a Redeemer? Because when Jesus came and fulfilled all of those old things, He said the promise now is not for anything of this world, but it is for a promise of a life in the next. That you can be the people of God forever. Not because you're able to keep a law and make a sacrifice, but because Jesus Christ has given his life for you. And because of that sacrifice, you have a life that is so much more full, so much more complete than anything we can even think about reading about in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant. And so why do we so frequently choose disobedience? 
Why is it so easy for us to go along that path of disobedience? See, to trust and to believe is to obey. Think about what you will do for something that you truly believe in, that you truly trust in. I'll do anything for something that I've put my faith in. If you truly believe in something, you will do it. If I go to the doctor and the doctor gives me a treatment and I really believe that that treatment is going to help cure what ails me, I'm going to follow the treatment. If I'm not so sure after a while it doesn't help, I'm a little less likely to follow that path. But when we trust in something, we do that thing. And if you believe what God has said, you'll do what He tells you to do. See, the key to being obedient people is faith in God. We disobey, maybe because we don't really believe. We don't really believe that there's that big of a consequence for us. Maybe we don't really wholeheartedly believe in the reward or in the promise that God has given. Because if I really trusted in the promise that God has, my desire would be for Him. If I really believe what what God said and what Christ did and, and the things that they laid out for us as His people, obedience wouldn't be something that would turn me off. It would be something that would drive me To simply live in His will. And and here's the thing. It's it's not the obedience that brings us to the point of salvation. Obedience is the response for the promise that He has made through a Savior and through a Redeemer. Our obedience comes because we've understood how much God has shown His love for us, and because we then understand how much we love God, and our love motivates us, it pushes us, it urges us, it leaves us no choice but to obey. Because the only thing I want to hear from my Father is, Well done, good and faithful servant. Not because I did things well. Because I made a choice. I made a choice to live life covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I allowed that choice to shape the rest of my life. But the good news is this. On this side of the cross and on this side of heaven. God has made it remarkably That says easy. It's not easy. Remarkably simple. Remarkably simple to be made right with Him even when we have been disobedient. Even when we have made those choices that we knew were wrong or that led us down a wrong path, God has made it remarkably simple, costly and difficult, but simple to to be made right before Him. He says, repent, change your thinking, live with God sincerely. And as soon as we confess our sins, God is faithful and just, and He will forgive us and cleanse us 
1 John chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. God is faithful. In the good times and in the bad. In the obedience and the disobedience, in the times that we have fallen, in the times we are doing well, God remains unchanged. But we have fallen into this understanding that God's guidance, His, His providence, His care, His leading is just this mystical thing that only a select few are able to testify to. But His guidance isn't as mystical as we have frequently expected. He's given us His Scriptures as a way to hear from Him and as a way to know His ways. The Spirit works in all kinds of ways. I have seen the Spirit at work in my, in my life, in lives of friends, in lives of family, um, in mystical ways. That there are times where the Spirit works in mystical ways, but if our lives are not rooted in His Word, we will never have a chance of hearing His voice outside or in any other way. We have to be people of the Word of God. Not just here when we are together, but on our own daily as a part of our daily conversation with God. I don't know if you are familiar with uh, the Babylon Bee. Um, It's a satirical uh, news site. If you read something from the Babylon Bee, it is not real. It is a joke. And the problem with it is most people don't know it's a joke because it hits so close to home that it feels real. One of the ones I saw recently said, man sitting next to an open Bible begs God to speak to him. Have we forgotten that God does speak to us? God does speak to us through His Word. In in, in the Word that He has left preserved for us, we find revelation of, of Him, His character, His nature, and His will for you and me in our own lives. And if we jump past Scripture to seek some mystical way of understanding God somewhere else and in some other uh, setting, in some other environment, environment, and we abandon the Word that He has given to us, we've missed the mark. We've missed what He has in store for us. And so we begin reading the Word of God. We begin understanding His nature, His character. And his design for us. And when we become people of the word. When we leave and go into our daily lives. We become in tune to his voice. And in tune to his ways. And we understand how he leads us each and every day. The way he uses the people around us. The way he uses the presence of his spirit within us. To speak to us. To guide us. uh, To give us that little voice of conscience that we are so adept at ignoring and silencing. Seeking the wisdom of God. To live with the wisdom of God. And to follow His commands. 
and to be people that obey what he has asked us to do, not because he's some figure of authority, or not because he demands it or commands it, because we understand how much he loves us. I must confess that there have been times in my life as a parent that I have wanted my kids to obey just because I could. Because I said so ought to be enough. Sometimes it is. But because I said so doesn't sustain. Because I love you does. And that's what God has asked us to do. This is the way you are to live. Not because it's easy. This is the way you are to live. Not because I said so. This is the way you are to live because I love you. And I want you to have the life that has been promised for you when it matters the most. That is the call of Christianity. That is the call of God's people to follow his commands and to find our direction, to find our way as children of the King.